He cannot disappear. Maybe hit him high, but what else could he do? He can't disappear. In slow motion, it looks a little bit bad. But accidents happen. They do. He's done his knees. He's done Oh, this is incredible. Now will come the magic sponge. There it is. No scissors, no tape. Built. Just a dirty old sponge and it's worked. The sponge can wipe out a pandemic. It can cure us all. Yes, welcome back to the Magic Sponge Podcast, a miracle cure for all your rugby league injury issues. My name is Brian Sini. Most of you know me as the guy behind NRL Physio and all the social media stuff that I do over there. Look, I had to kind of roll solo a little bit last week because my regular co-host James was knee-deep in newborn nappies. He is here. He is sleep-deprived. James, how are you going, mate? Brian, I'm very, very well. I've had... Probably some of the biggest 11 days I could remember in my life in in this little bit. So we've had obviously bringing a son into the world. We've called him Jonty, so we're pretty smitten with him. And then also my younger sister got married yesterday. So we've backed it up with a fairly big family weekend that we've just enjoyed there, Brian. So big times for me, but good to be back on the Magic Sponge talking to you again on a Sunday. It feels like we're back in the swing of things. We're back to normal. We, we are, mate. It's good. And uh, look, I really appreciate it. I know your lovely wife would be uh, would be really doing the, the lion's share over the next hour. So I uh, shout out to Felicity. I'm sure she's doing it, doing it hard, but I do appreciate uh, the leave pass that you've got. But uh, everyone, we're really stoked to have Steve Kadri and the guys at Delton Financial on board to support the show to start the year. If you're a time-poor physio like us and you're looking to work with a trusted and experienced mortgage broker, make sure you get in touch with Steve. He's a great bloke too and loves his footy, which is always a plus. Uh, look, he and his team can talk you through the benefits that physios and medical professionals get access to for property lending, which include cheaper interest rates and lenders' mortgage insurance waivers. His service is free to use and you can reach out to him on Instagram at delton.financial or on delton www.deltonfinancialgroup.com all those links will be in the podcast description James it's just so good to have delton on board to start the year hey totally agree Brian it's good to have delton financial on board with us and i guess for people that aren't aware of what mortgage brokers are and how they work think of them as like the intermediary between you as the borrower or you're trying to purchase a home and a mortgage lender so their role as a broker is to connect borrowers with lenders and help you get the most suitable product for your specific financial situation and what your goals are so like I've said previously, you need to get on to Delton Financial if you are a healthcare professional, if you're mates with a healthcare professional, that's across the whole healthcare diaspora. If you're in a relationship with someone as a healthcare professional, like use them to get a better lending um, product for you if you're looking to get into a house. So use their professional title to your financial gain, obviously with their consent. But what ultimately I think if you can get them onto Delton Financial, they have access to much better rates for lenders and they can get you the right product for your situation, Brian. So good to have them on board again, hey. 100%, mate. So, look, guys, as always, this is your one-stop shop for all things injury analysis in the NRL. We'll give you our take on the in-game injuries from the round just gone, review the big injury and rehab news from those already in the casualty ward, and talk through the implications of the injuries on things like recovery time performance, but the big thing is super coach scoring, obviously. Look, we're doing heaps more than this over at patreon.com slash NRL physio, so if you find yourself enjoying this kind of stuff, it's only the tip of the iceberg of what we do over there. So head on over there, see what we're doing. Uh, but otherwise, let's get stuck into the injury wrap for round five. I don't know exactly what he's done. I would have thought it was an ankle, but I, I'm just guessing. He shouldn't be out for a long period of time. I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor. We have to wait for the scans, obviously, but that'd be more positive than, than negative. 
Round five, Brian, of the NRL. It's turning into a heck of a season already. I just wanted to check with you, Brian, before we talk injuries. Is, are there any teams that are undefeated still? I can't quite oh, remember off the top of my head if there's <laughs> any teams that are sitting at 5-0 and oh, just uh, for anyone else mate, playing at it's home. A ke- it's a Kevolution. It's a Kevolution. It's a Kevolution. What, what Thank more you. can you say? I had that in the chamber for two weeks, so thanks for bearing with me with that one, Brian. I thought I'd slide that in just before we talk injuries. But what we'll do is go to the first game. That was the Roosters versus the Eels. The big news out of this one was James Tedesco with a concussion. What did you see in terms of his um, category of symptoms and expected length of time that he'll be missing, Brian? We spoke about him extensively in the off-season. Yeah, mate, so he copped a pretty big uh, knock, obviously. I think everyone saw it. Um, Bailey Simonson, I think, has a couple-of-week holiday incoming with that. Um they said on the night it was Category 2 um, in terms of the signs that he showed. So he wasn't immediately ruled out for the game, but then he did fail his HIA. The big thing, I tweeted out pretty quickly that he would be out for 11 days and you know had a fair people jumping in. A few people jumping in being like, oh, it's only Category 2, stuff like that. But it's really, really worth remembering that Category one, category two isn't the only thing that determines, um, you know, these kind of 11 day stand downs and all that kind of stuff. And that's probably another, I guess, element of why Patreon's really good is I've got, um, a lot of the HIA concussion stats over there as well. But because Teddy has suffered, that's his eighth documented concussion in his career, that automatically means any concussion he suffers moving forward, um, it's, is, uh, an 11 day. It doesn't matter if it's category two, category one, um, signs, whatever he shows he will miss 11 days he also has a concussion in his history that has uh, that he had prolonged symptoms with so that's another thing that makes you automatically so you could have one concussion in your past and it could be from 10 years ago but because it took you six weeks to get over because you had recurring symptoms that automatically means that you are you qualify for that 11 day stand down for every future concussion so the whole category one category two signs and all that kind of stuff um yeah it like it's it's only one component to it i will do a quick shout out to to i've seen um a good good friend of the show uh wilfred on twitter sort of jumping in trying to uh keep the keep the train going that category one and category two are just signs they're they're how to categorize the signs of the concussion so how obvious it was that the concussion um, was rather than how severe the actual concussion is. Unfortunately, Wilf, I think we're already losing that battle because literally every friggin' media, um, you know, coverage that I see of it, it's category one concussion, category two concussion. I think we're going to lose that battle. I don't want to lose that battle. Um, it kind of frustrates me that the fact that we have to differentiate these two because both of those situations, whether it's category one or category two, could be just as severe as the other. But yeah, it's looking like we've lost that one, unfortunately. It's a good example to touch on there, Brian, in that I think if you're someone in the media realm or um, maybe not even the medical professional realm, you know, that, that sort of language does matter. So I think when, you, when you're explaining these things, it's really, really important to have your ducks in a row. So I think between you and Wilfred there, you're doing the Lord's work trying to figure out um, how that gets communicated and disseminated more, more widely from a almost public health initiative, isn't it, when you think about it, to try to get people, I guess, understanding the nuance of concussion, which is not a straightforward thing, is it? Yeah, Matt, I think it's just, it, it's really disappointing because the it sends out the message that Category 1 
signs indicate a more severe concussion, uh, which just isn't the case. You know, you can you can have guys knocked out, you know, senseless, uh, you know, stumbling all over the place or knocked unconscious, and they can be relatively, and I put this in inverted commas, recovered and, you know, re- like symptom-free, brain, you know, functioning well within you know, let's say two weeks. And then you can also have a guy who it's really subtle, you know, the hit, it doesn't seem like much. They don't even show any signs. Maybe they just go off, you know, uh, for feeling a little bit off. They fail a HIA and then it hangs around for weeks and weeks and weeks. So it's just worth remembering that Category 1, Category 2, and I even saw it, the, the, one of the head researchers at Rugby, which were the first people to bring in the difference between Category 1 and Category 2. He actually um, had a chat with me on Twitter the other day about why they brought it in. And it actually isn't based on any evidence or data as to why they treat category one and category two differently they do have some experts and they said he said it was about a 50 50 split between the experts that they talked to that half the experts kind of said no like you have to treat category one and category two the same whereas others sort of said no we want category one treated more conservatively but there was no numbers to to sort of back that up. It was just kind of how they felt about it. Rugby are currently doing um, some research into Category 1 versus Category 2. But, yeah, that's probably the most disappointing thing is that it's not actually based on any sort of solid numbers and data at this point in time. It's just kind of a vibe thing is is, is the way that I kind of get it. And I'm like, well, it's just sending a really bad example, you know, or message out to the public that category two sort of might not be as severe as category ones when at the end of the day, a concussion's a concussion and they have to be treated as such. Yeah. Look, Brian, rugby league has been built on vibe for over a hundred years. So not to diss on vibe, but it would be much better if there was a consensus regarding I guess, concussion, but that's something just that needs to emerge as the, I guess, the research happens in that space. So nicely summarised there, Brian, and I'm sure this will be a recurring theme for us as we talk through things as the weeks go on. We'll move forward to the Raiders versus the Panthers game. So two injuries here we've got listed as James Fisher-Harris with a suspected MCL injury and Matt Frawley has a broken hand. Expected time that you would expect those two gents to be missing, Brian? Mate, Fisher-Harris, I think you can throw a dart at a dartboard. It could be anything, and I purely say that because he is an absolute animal. Um, I would usually say I didn't see an obvious mechanism of injury for this. I did try and skip through the game a little bit and try and find something. I couldn't see anything obvious. Um, So I'd usually think that is, you know, a sign of a minor sprain. He he played through most of it, you know, played through with discomfort and all that kind of stuff. But Fisher-Harris is just a monster. Like, he played through some really nasty shoulder stuff. So it would not surprise me if he's been able to play through a, you know, significant MCL injury. That that That's not out of the realms of possibility. So it's a bit hard to say at the moment. It could be anywhere from one week to eight weeks, depending on, you know, grade one minor sprain, grade three complete tear. So we'll just have to wait to hear from the Panthers on that one. I still am hopeful of more a minor or to moderate sprain than anything. Um, And then we had Matt Frawley with a potential broken hand. That would be looking at like around that six-week mark usually, depending on where he's broken. It can be as short as three to four weeks, but, yeah, usually around six weeks. But I think they'll get uh, future Dolphin Jack Whiten back in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, good call. (laughs) Good call. Jackie is just sitting on ice there, isn't he, on the sidelines there from suspension. So I don't think it really changed the makeup there too much for those teams. Rabdos vs Storm was the next one, Brian. Alice Johnston was a concussion from this. He'll be probably facing the mandatory 11-day sort of period, won't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, uh, he, like I pretty – 
you know, about as clear a category one as as you'll see. Um, he will, yeah, straight straight up eleven days, and once again, as we spoke about earlier, doesn't necessarily mean it's more severe than any other. But yeah, he will miss the eleven days. Yep, sounds good. On to the next game there, Seagulls versus the Knights. This is a bizarre old game. I sort of only caught sympathy to this in the highlights at the end because of what I had going on. But in terms of injuries, geez, the Knights just seem to keep racking up the injuries, don't they? So we've got listed here, Tyson Gamble, concussion, Matt Croker with a rib or burner type injury. Um, and then from the Manly team, Ben Travojevic had a hamstring concern. Christian Tuipolotu had a knee injury. Joshy Sousa was missing a game because of a quad cork, so he may not be facing too long on the sideline. And then at the end, probably just giving us a quick chat about Kalen Pong as an update as well. Brian, you want to run through those six players as rapidly as you can? Yeah, Tyson Gamble, look, that was yeah, really, uh, if you talk about clear category one with Alex Johnston, Tyson Gamble was the most clear. He There was a lot of concern there for him. He collapsed in the middle of the field. Uh, look, once again, um, not downplaying it, but it doesn't mean it's more severe than any other concussion that was suffered this weekend. So he should be treated just, you know, he'll be treated just as conservatively as everybody else, uh, but he will miss those. 11 days. Matt Croker with the ribs or like a burner kind of injury. Uh, I think he had a burner earlier and then copped a rib injury. So yeah, ribs, usually you don't see guys miss too long. If there's a fracture, maybe three to four weeks, but usually uh, you get away without a fracture and you're just looking at sort of that pain management. So he should be back in the next couple of weeks provided he's avoided a fracture, but just that effectiveness is the biggest thing. Ben Trebojevic with the hamstring. I think, look, this is probably most interesting to you and I from, uh, you know, those those pre-existing uh, risk factors for injuries and stuff like that. Is there a hereditary thing in the Trebojevic family, you know, for hamstring injuries? Like that's, that is something that, uh, it can be a predisposing risk factor to injuries like that is something hereditary um, in your genes. Uh, look, you know, he also is a footy player and Tom's a footy player, so it could just be a, a footy yeah. injury. But, yeah, uh, yeah something something a little bit interesting. Tui Pilotto with his knee, I think it was a ligament sprain. He went off and came back. He looked horrible when he came back. So potentially he might have been playing through something uh, like an MCL sprain, I think was what it looked like the most. So he might need to, you know, once scans come in, he might be facing a few weeks. Josh Schuster, not concerned. He should be back next week if it is just a cork. If it's a strain, it might be a bit different, but I did hear it was a cork. So, um, yeah, I think in my five years of tracking um, injuries, I've only seen one guy miss more than a week um, from a quad cork. So he should be back next week. And then Kalen Pong, I was just reading in the telly before that they um, the Knights conservatively or, you know, have penciled in. He could be back potentially in three weeks' time, so miss another two weeks. Uh, so the testing from his overseas stuff has come back relatively positive so far. He posted on social media as such. So, yeah, I mean, it's a fluid situation. He could be back in six weeks. He could be back in three weeks. Uh, it'll just depend on how, you know, getting back into things. But everything has sounded positive so far. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, you know, we, we said we felt for Ponga at the time. So hopefully he's doing well and can come back, uh, yeah, nice and safe and sound. Yeah, it's interesting. I just wanted to throw a speculative question about Callum Ponga your way, Brian. I guess thinking far, far, far ahead at the moment to state of origin teams. I'm just thinking, what would you see the likely construct of the Queensland team to look like? Because I've heard a lot of people say, nah, Callum Ponga won't get picked. It'll be Reese Walsh. It'll be this and that. I just think Billy Slater will go back to the well with him at fullback, even if he's not playing there week in, week out for his club. What what would your best guess be if you had to put your money somewhere at this stage in the season? Uh, I think you've nailed it. I think 
what Billy will do and what I would want to do will be two different things. I think if Ponga's playing, I think Billy picks Ponga uh, just because, you know, that Queensland, you know, you always give give the jersey back to the guy. Um, if they're, if, and it's not that Ponga isn't playing well. You know, he, he just uh, suffered a concussion. My biggest thing is I just, like, with a replacement at the level that Reese Walsh is playing at, I would be a little bit, concerned about carrying a Kalen Ponga into an origin with that concussion risk hanging over his head. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, Reese Walsh is playing lights out. Uh, look, he's not the best defensive fullback in the comp, don't get me wrong, but he is, he's the fullback for the team undefeated on top of the ladder. So I just, like my my hesitate, like my preference would be Reese Walsh and it's not even close, personally. Yeah, because Bowman's okay. playing six, um, you know, so he's not even playing fullback. He's just coming back from a head, you know, a concussion. He's fourth in 10 months. Uh, yeah, there's just so much there. It's not like Reese Walsh is a scrub. He's playing really, really well. Just give me Reese Walsh every day. Yeah, but we want to watch. I'm still pegging my money on Ponga. If you had to sort of hold a gun to my head and maybe choose someone, I still think he's the guy for the job. But it'll be really interesting to see that situation unfold in a few weeks. But hopefully, Callum Ponga's just back on the field and he can put a lot of these things behind him. I think it's what every rugby league fan yeah. wants. And I think every Knights fan, especially because they've done it tough for such a long period of time there, poor old Newey fans. We'll move on to the Dragons versus the Dolphins here, Brian. Your favourite, Anthony Milford, hamstring injury, and also <sighs> Jaden Sewer was going to – he's got a calf concern as well. It looked like cramp initially, but it might actually be sort of like a, a low-grade strain there potentially, hey? Mate, pull one out for the poor Dolphins because their premiership hopes are up in tatters with Anthony yes. Milford out with a hamstring injury. I, As, you know, we spoke about in the preseason, I, I had Milf – pegged for the 2023 Dally M um, star of the season. So that's just, a, it is a killer. But in in all seriousness, the Dolphins are copping it, especially in the halves. Like yeah. they did not have a lot of depth as we spoke about once again in the preseason. I think everyone did. Um, so losing Sean O'Sullivan, O'Sullivan, that was a massive loss. I mean, I didn't talk to you about it last week, but losing him, just huge for their sort of hopes, you know, having someone steer them around. And now Milford, he's got a pretty extensive history of hemi issues as well. So I would expect him to miss, I think Wayne said, around that three to four weeks, which I think is probably about right. Uh, yeah, like the one benefit is that my boy Cody Nicarima, the listeners may not know, but I'm a massive Cody uh, Cody fan from like way back. Uh, so Cody Nico might get a game in, um, in the halves, which would be, uh, look, I mean, for my homerism, that'd be pretty cool. I don't know how well it'll go actually on the field. But, yeah, Milf will be out for a few weeks. And then Sewer, yeah, I was a bit bit surprised there because he kind of started stretching it out and then came off and I'm like – and he didn't go back on. And I'm like, oh, geez, stretching a, uh, a calf strain. So if uh, hopefully it's just bad cramps, hopefully, because if not, yeah. Look, uh, people have asked, can you do any extra damage stretching it out? No, not like nothing of significance. Like you could aggravate the pain a little bit, but the damage is done in the in the push-off uh, mechanism out on the field. So, yeah, uh, hopefully just a minor one. So he'd probably be, even if it is a strain, one to three weeks is the usual thing. But, uh, yeah, I guess we'll wait to see if it's just cramps or, or there is a strain there. Yeah, nice to summarize, Brian. I don't think there's anything else I wanted to add there apart from, yeah, I think you, you make a very good point about Sean O'Sullivan. He's so important. He's so good for the Dolphins those first few weeks. And you take any starting halfback out of any NRL team and they're going to really struggle to adjust and, you know, get those combinations again and, you know, get get the team steered around the park. So hopefully for the Dolphins, a bit more good luck into the future. 
Broncos versus Tigers here, Brian. Only injury of note that we've got here is about John Bateman with a recurring sort of rib injury that sort of be seems to be a bit more of a lingering thing. Are we talking rib cartilage here or established rib fractures? Yeah, they said he was cleared of a fracture but said there was a whole bunch of damage in there. I mean, this is classic Tigers this year, like, you know, just ducks and drakes, smoke and mirrors, like all that kind of stuff for something that I don't really know why. This, I guess you could argue, maybe competitive advantage, but people know he's got a rib injury anyway so they're going to like you know if they're going to attack his ribs they're going to attack his ribs i think the thing to point out here and like once again this is the kind of stuff we cover over on patreon is um like with the rib injury like i expected him to have a downturn in performance he had he played 80 last week um and did not play 80 this week he had a a big drop in his base stats and that's what you see from forwards trying to play through these rib injuries that's the kind of stuff i cover over on patreon those expectations for performance and yeah we saw it with Bateman he was right out of the textbook that can affect him now for sort of three to four weeks so if I was an owner or I was somebody who was thinking about buying Bateman he is not someone who I would touch for the next three to four weeks and if you've got him I mean uh, yeah like if if you don't have any bigger fires to put out he'd be a a trade out option for me because I do expect him to sort of have a little bit of a quiet spot now. I think the Tigers for Supercoach purposes, Brian, is just yuck.com, oh, isn't it? Mate. It's just everything there is just grim, grim, I'm pretty grim. Close. Like. I'm pretty close to getting rid of Dewey, and that's like like yeah. turf toe, I think, is is definitely affecting him. But I think also just like he's playing poorly. The Tigers are poor. Like it's just – like I, I was thinking about it the other night. Like I'm a Dolphins fan, as you know, we all well know. And I'm like mm-hmm. – my, like my team's been in the, in the comp for like five weeks, and I'm like – I just, I, f- I actually feel really horrible for the Tigers fans because I'm like, I felt so much better about the Tigers coming into this season than I did the Dolphins. And I know the Dolphins have had probably a bit of a fluky start where they've, you know, gone on emotion and all that kind of stuff. But the Tigers had like a like some really good buys, like Appy Corusau, David Clemmer, like Papali'i, these kind of guys. Like, uh, you're probably the bigger footy sort of expert than me, but what the hell is going on there? I just don't... I don't know how they're playing so poorly. Yeah, it it, it just seems like a systemic yeah. stink or something is just not right there and they're all in the media. It's 24-7 coverage. It's just it, it must be top down there at the Tigers, I think, Brian. It's just there's too much individual talent in that team and, and what they're dishing up is not even competitive at all. It's just it, it'll be really, really, really grim as a fan because – they're just a there's a pile of poo every week. Oh. They just do, dosh up that sort of stuff. It's just I, I don't know. It, I don't know what the solution is there. I think they, they really need to have a look at that roster, how things are constructed there. But again, they bought some really good players. You know, oh, you got yeah, Bateman. Man. You like I said, Papali. Even you know Charlie Staines. I, I thought was a reasonably good player. You know, you had Dewey playing in his preferred position of six, which he's been outwardly sort of saying for many, many, many months that that's his best position and that's what he likes to play. The the coaching situation is a bit how you going, but what they're what they're doing performance wise is really really ordinary. So again, I don't know, I don't know what is the solution there, but I know for super coach purposes, there ain't anyone that I'm looking at in my team no. because individually, none of these players are playing anywhere near their best. So you just don't want to have them in your roster, do you? No, mate, I'm staying well away. Yep. Next game was an absolute cracker of a game, Brian. Sharks versus Warriors. And can before we talk injuries, <laughs> can we all just get on our knees and appreciate Sean Johnson 
the best of the best. We've been between us. Like, <laughs> I think the, the amount of text messages we would have exchanged in compliment of Sean Johnson over the 12 years that he's been playing NRL, it would be in the hundreds. And today was no different. As soon as he was absolutely balling out, it, I just think Sean Johnson has been so underappreciated in the NRL. I love him. I love what he's about. I hope him and the Warriors have a great year. They're 4-1. and one. Can you believe the Warriors are 4-1? Nice. and one? Like, oh, what a great story. Mate, I like early 2010s, so like, you know, around that 12, 13, you know, we were in our, what, mid, uh, mid early to mid-20s. The number of beers we would have drunk watching SJ on a Saturday afternoon, Vossi on the call, like, you yeah. know, just... That's that's rugby league for me in those times. Like so good watching SJ at his best. Uh, you know, injuries definitely crueled him. He's had some pretty piss poor Warriors teams that he's played in, but he has been like without a doubt my favourite player for a long, long time. And and this comes from somebody who is the strongest Queensland fan. You know, the like I love the Dolphins. Like you know, I I, I love the Bronx at times. I love the Cows at times. You know those kind of things. But SJ just. There's just no when he's on. There's just I just don't think there's been many better to watch in in the last ten fifteen years. Like I just love him. I, I really do love him, and he's a great guy as well. He, he he speaks really well. He's really good looking too, James, which always helps. A bit easy on the eye. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just so good to see him back doing his thing. Like I thought this was beyond him. I I really you know like if like coming off that Achilles a couple of seasons ago, I was like, oh, he's going to turn into that like distributing half like a Chad Townsend kind of, you know, game manager, that kind of thing, mate. He is still out there just doing his thing, and it's just so good. I, I, uh, seriously, he could do, like, yeah, I, I just love it. I, I really, really love it, and I could, we could do a whole podcast on it, I reckon. Me and you could sit down after this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah give me 90 minutes, and I'll, I'll talk the whole time and not come up for air, but I think seeing him and the Warriors go well oh. is a great thing for footy. I really, really, really enjoy it. Let's talk injuries, though, Brian. So we've got... Tohu Harris was ruled out pre-game with a knee injury. So I'm not sure of the specifics with that one because I haven't been able to sort of track anything down through the media outlets there. The other people that we are going to mention is Luke Metcalf, who's gone to the USA for some hamstring rehab. That seems to be a bit of a recurring thing, which I never thought was going to happen. But anyway, here we are. <laughs> Always going across to the States to getting specific oh, hamstring man. rehab from one of the the whispers, I'm assuming. Tamara Martin had a concussion and Toby Rudolph has been reported on NRL.com as a foot injury with nothing more specific than that. Do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on those four plays for us, Brian, from that matchup today? Yeah, Tohu was named, obviously, but ruled out late in the week. Apparently, he aggravated some scar tissue, previous scar tissue in his knee. I assume it's an MCL. The The video wasn't uber clear from the week before, but yeah, I'd say it's an MCL. So I, I would think he'll be back next week or the week after at the latest, if that information is actually true. I will preface all this by saying I think the Warriors at the moment are the shadiest, almost the shadiest when it comes to injury info. That It seems like the ocean between New Zealand and Australia just swallows up injury injury <laughs> information as it crosses crosses the strait because... The yeah, Tasman, yeah. Oh, yeah. man, it just... Um, yeah, it we don't seem to get much. Luke Metcalf, yeah, he's gone over to the good, uh, the good doctor or the good whisperer, Bill Knowles, apparently, I was reading in the telly. So he's gone over as well for right. uh, some conditioning 
thing with his hamstring tear. So, mate, old Bill Knowles, he is just mate, he, he, one of the one of the best business models I've seen oh, in recent memory for mate. getting Latrell over there. Yeah. He's got some good repeat business coming in from the NRL. How about it? The old uh, the coach whisperer first, and now the hamstring That's whisperer, right. mate. It's yeah. all it's all yeah. that. I, I like maybe I should have called myself like. The, the physio whisper or something when I started yeah. on uh, social media and I would have started rolling in the dollars. Absolutely. Yeah, we should get that handle right now while we talk about it so <laughs> someone else doesn't jump on that idea because it could be lucrative, Oh, Brian. mate. Um, on a more serious note, Tamari Martin with his concussion, I think that's – look, thoughts go out to him. We all know his history with brain injury. Um, I, surprisingly, I posted about this during the week and I wrote brain injury and all these – I'd like – half a dozen people like dm me abuse being like oh like you're sensationalizing it by calling it a brain injury and i'm like what <laughs> like that's literally mm. what a concussion is it's a mild traumatic brain injury so i think it's actually undersold when people call it a head knock or a you know like i see that in every media publication i know there's probably so many media publications who listen to our podcast but if you are listening and you're in charge of a media publication you should be calling it a brain injury you should not be calling it a head knock because it's not a head knock it is an injury to the brain that's what a concussion Mm. is I do have a quote here, Brian, which I'd like to read out to you. So yes. when the Broncos re-signed Tamari Martin, I've got a quote from Ben Eichen, who was the Broncos head of football, and he said, it's great to see Tamari Martin back in the NRL system. Prior to his brain injury, he was one hell of a player, hugely skillful, etc. So Ben Eichen has used those exact words yeah. verbatim when they were talking about re-signing him. So you definitely haven't gone down the sensational route there at all. That was very well established at the time. Oh, mate. It's just, but like, even if he had a history of concussion, like, you know, saying Tedesco has a history of brain injury. He does because a concussion is a brain injury. So I think anybody calling it other or, or thinking that that's sensationalizing things is absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, look, obviously we don't know how that's going to progress. Uh, by all accounts, he was, he was vomiting after the game. Game, which isn't ideal, but then uh, there was an interview a few days later and they said he was feeling good then, so hopefully that continues. Um, yeah, I yeah, look, you can't really predict the return to play here. you just got to wait and see, but thoughts go out to him. And then Toby Rudolph, foot injury, I didn't hear anything about it during the game, didn't really see anything, so I can't really comment on that. Uh, so, yeah, we'll just have to wait to get some more news on that one for Toby Rudolph. All right, very good. Very last game, Brian. This is another cracking game. It's been some good football games this weekend, hasn't it? Bulldogs-Cowboys to round out round five. So the first two players we're going to talk about is Billy Kikau and Ray Fatal Marino, who both had concussions. Um, I think Billy Kikau is probably going to, just because of the nature of the days and the 11-day period, he's probably going to miss two games, whereas I think Ray Fatal Marino could be in that 11-day window, which might only mean he misses one. But you might be able to clear that up for us. Max King has also been, I think you, you spoke about him with a plantar fascia rupture and he had an eye injury in this game as well. Last two people is Franklin Pele, who had a fractured forearm out of this game and Helam Lukey has sort of been reported as a right lower limb injury. Do you want to give us some detail about those players from the Bulldogs and Cows respectively, Brian? I'll start with Lukey because like I put a tweet out there and classic, you know, whether there's a jinx involved, but he looks so good coming back from his ACL. Uh, a reminder that it is a right ACL injury. I'm really disappointed with Fox Sports here because he suffered 
an injury, uh, while there was like a penalty and Val Holmes was going for goal, there was so much time to show a replay or, or look at something. But even then, like I didn't hear anything reported on, you know, what was going on with him. Like this is a guy coming back from a, an ACL injury. He suffers a right lower leg injury and we hear nothing. Like whether, and look, I, like I've said, I'm disappointed at Fox Sports. Feel free to, you know, once again, jump into my DMs and tell me I was an idiot for, like if I missed a report or something something from um you know from somewhere then that's fine but yeah i just i was really disappointed because that's someone who you know was looking really good and all of a sudden limped off and we just it was almost like he limped off and we didn't hear anything about him at all so hopefully he's okay uh i i did go back and have a look at the tackle and it was very blocked by a whole bunch of players so it's really hard to tell whether it's ankle knee what it was hopefully it's not the acl again obviously but we'll uh maybe if i jump off here we might have heard something from the post-match press conference. Uh, Kikau suffered his concussion in training. So he actually, kind of the reverse of what you said, he will definitely miss next week, but could be back the week after. So he'll miss the definitely the two weeks. Um, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. No, you are correct, because Kikau missed today, and he'll miss next yeah. week. Yeah, I, you, yeah. No, you're, you're I, I think it was because he, because he suffered on Friday. I think yes. it's just that unfortunate period where it'll be in two games full in that 11-day time. You're all over it. Yep. So kick out two games and then Fatal Mariner. I did, I think it is a Category 1 is what I heard. So, yeah, he'll miss one game at least. Max King, uh, yeah, he's playing with a plantar fascia rupture, which is sounds really horrible and can be really horrible. But, uh, yeah, guys can play through it. We've seen it happen time and time again. I once again got some colourful feedback on a post on my Instagram from a podiatrist, uh, uh, when I said, uh, you know, I sort of spoke about how the plantar fascia rupture isn't often as bad as people think, you know, guys can play through it. Just a reminder that when I post about these things and a lot of the things that I say, they don't apply to members of the general public a lot of the time. Like the recovery times, the things that I'm talking about are in reference to NRL players, guys who go out there and put their bodies through ridiculous things that regular everyday Joes would not do and would be stupid to do. So, yeah, like plantar fascia rupture for many of us mere mortals, uh, yeah, really nasty and a horrible thing. But for an NRL player, it can actually be a positive because if they're kind of dealing with like ongoing plantar fasciitis or plantar fascia pain from like a partial tearing, if it then does completely rupture for their performance-wise, if they can, you know, have a, an orthotic put in their shoe or strapped up really, really well, they can actually be in less pain. So their performance improves, which we saw with Max King. He had some of his best game. He had his best game of the season last last weekend. So, uh, But then he also got poked in the eye. It looked pretty nasty. He did return, but I guess, uh, yeah, like I, not exactly my area of expertise, but I have to wait and see what comes of that. You would assume because he returned. But I am surprised, like, if they send him back out there with an eye, it is a, like, an eye is pretty risky, right? Like, if there's anything wrong there and you, and you cop another blow to it, then you, your eyesight's in question, which is pretty significant. So the fact they sent him back out there, I assume the actual eye itself was okay and it was more just the soft tissue surrounding it. And then Franklin Pelé, uh, suspected fractured forearm, that'll be at least six weeks, can be out to 10 weeks depending on the location. Yeah, righto. I think that was all we wanted to cover there. I was curious, though, Brian, about our favourite Bulldogs front row forward, Tavita Pangai Jr. Have you got any feedback regarding his potential return? I think there might have been some things flying around on social media that 
murkies the waters there a little bit. James, I uh, I didn't include this in the run sheet, hoping that you would skip right over it because. <laughs> Tavita, well, I just wanted to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, look. Um, Gus, our, our, my favourite um, online friend, Gus Gould, was on his podcast last week and spoke pretty extensively about the struggles that Tavita has been having. I spoke about it, I think, on the podcast last week briefly, just saying that, you know, uh, Tavita's had to go and visit, once again, a, a, a calf whisperer. Um, I don't think it was overseas. I think it was here about recurring calf injuries, which we didn't really hear too much about. Like, I know he's had hamstring issues in the past, but apparently, according to Gus, I will say, who is the head of football at the Bulldogs, so, you know, you would think a relatively, uh, you know, solid source. Uh, that's what Tavita had done. He was still a couple of weeks away. Um, Tavita, I put a post up. Tavita himself commented saying, I didn't know what I was talking about. I, you know, just said, look, mate, this all comes from uh, Gus in his podcast. Maybe check with him. And then I got blocked, which is fine. You know, I block people all the time on social. So if I was, um, you know, getting in Tavita's negative headspace, that's fair enough. But for the people who are listening who want to know when Tavita is going to be back. Uh, Cameron Seraldo had an interview, I think it was yesterday, uh, where he said Tavita will be back in a couple of weeks, which is what my post said. So it sounds like that's what's going to be the case. All right, very good, Brian. I think that sort of summarises all the injuries then. So we might go straight into the patron question. So patreon.com forward slash NRL physio. If you want more content, you want more in-depth answers to your questions that you have about footy, injuries, Anything else in your life, that's where you've got to go to submit them through to Brian. So question number one, questions about Ryan Pappenhausen. Is he back running? What's the realistic time frame for the rest of his rehab moving forward, do you think? Yeah, mate. Uh, really good news. Back running this week. I think I spoke last week. I had a, literally had a question about it. Um, you know, can we get an update on Pappenhausen last week? And then literally within two days it came back uh, and I said, I want to see him running. And it came back, yeah, this week that he's back running on land, which is fantastic. There was some vision of him playing uh, playing badminton as well, which he actually looked like he was moving pretty good. So... Everything's on the up and up. Uh, look, it's still uh, talking about a realistic time frame. Like he's only just started running again, six weeks minimum. Uh, you know, to work through not only his running progressions. I spoke about it on a post on Instagram, but you know, change of direction, jumping, landing, uh, team training, contact, building his fitness too is another big thing. Building his performance. Like it's not just about getting him pain-free and, like, you know, through his running progressions. You want him to go back out there and be fast. You want him to be able to change direction. So it's, like, you're talking minimum six weeks, but potentially longer. Um, I, I, like, I, I'll dive into it a little bit more specifically on Patreon when I update the uh, casualty ward in terms of my expectations. But, yeah, you'd, uh, you'd be looking at a minimum six weeks, I think. Yeah, really nice summary. I think it's a good one to watch and wait there. Hopefully, he's back sooner rather than later for NRL fans and the Storm. The Storm have been nursing a big casualty award for a while there. So, we'll move forward to question number two, Brian. So, it appeared that Mitchell Moses has got his ankles broken trying to tackle Daniel Tupo the other night. How long would you expect it for his ego to recover? Um, and someone said um, he was down on the ground with the trainer for a few minutes um, while the conversion was being taken. Did you see what happened in, in that scenario? Yeah, mate. I, I know this is a bit of a G-up question uh, from our lovely patrons, but I did want to talk about this because I legitimately thought Moses subluxed his shoulder because he – I'm pretty sure this is the same incident that we are talking about where uh, Tupo broke through, Moses kind of tried to tackle him and went down on that outstretched arm, you know, arm above his head and that kind of thing. And watching – I was like, and then he clutched his shoulder, and I'm like, he has subluxed that shoulder for sure. Now, in saying that, you can 
return after subluxing your shoulder. So it's not out of the question that he did suffer a shoulder su- shoulder subluxation. Uh, but yeah, I just um, I thought he was in a bit of trouble. Uh, he was able to return and stuff like that. But one to keep an eye on whether you know he's got a bit of instability there. Potentially could be an increased risk of injury moving forward as well. So yeah, I, I know it's a joke question, but legitimately I think it's something to watch out for moving forward. Uh, whether Moses has a bit of an issue with that shoulder. Yeah, good spot, good eagle eyes there on that one, Brian. Very last question we've got here is, what determines whether a player gets surgery or is managed non-operatively after they have a high-grade MCL injury? So we're talking like a grade three MCL injury here. A lot of them are non-operative, but I think there's a few who have gotten surgery on it in recent memory. I think Tom, Tommy Turbo was one that had it last year as well with an MCL avulsion from memory, wasn't he? So I guess the question also asks, is it more of a surgery indication if the MCL is avulsed. Do you have any specific detail regarding grade three MCL injuries and how they're managed? Yeah, so Toletau Kula from Manly, same thing as well, had surgery recently. I assume same thing, avulsion, because usually if you have like a high-grade MCL that isn't an avulsion, you're going to look at like eight to ten weeks return, whereas there, but I think Turbo came back in five weeks last year and they're looking at the same with Kula. So with those avulsions, they pretty much require surgery most times, and especially in the NRL, because they're looking to get guys back quicker. They just need to have... So an avulsion is where the ligament, which joins bone to bone, at one end it pulls a little bit of bone away. So it's like a fracture rather than a ligament tear, if that makes sense. So that bone just needs to be pinned back in. So it's a pretty simple surgery. Uh, Where it gets surgically operated otherwise, look, usually if the tear is up the tibial end, uh, sorry, the femoral end, so up the top, Top side, I think I've had a few surgeons tell me they like to um, like to operate sort of more commonly. But yeah, it it just comes down to surgeon preference. Like I, I've had a heap who have like some have certain things where they're like, yep, okay, you know, it's up this end. It's not in the you know the mid substance of the of the ligament, so right in the middle. It's up one end. I, I want to you know I want to perform surgery on that or or certain uh, you know I've even had and and this is a legitimate thing like. Um, ethnicities so you know some some of the polynesian uh guys yeah yeah yeah, i've had a surgeon say and you know whether they um they admit that publicly or not but they just find that some of the polynesian guys respond better to in terms of re-injury and stuff like that respond better to surgery than others and those kind of things so really yeah Yeah. so you get different feedback from different surgeons at times on the record off the record all that kind of stuff uh so yeah that's uh yeah it, it comes down to surgeon preference really but avulsions definitely i think are a big one yeah really really nice to summarize there i guess i don't have too much to add in that space brian because i don't deal with a lot of high-grade mcl injuries in the current case that i've got and in my sort of previous working working days through the hospital systems especially we just don't really see them operatively managed to be to be brutally honest it just doesn't yeah, really happen like, very often uh, in in general population it's so rare mm. for to, for that to require surgery like you know I, i've only had and like i like i would say i've only had oh, in my 12-year career maybe half a dozen managed and mm. they're, they're like high level athletes who you know whether it was an avulsion or a you know tear down one end of the ligament or something like that so it's so it's not common you're seeing one i'm seeing one every two years um that i would say so yeah not that common at all but uh look let's move forward super coach corner mate 
look, you can start off because you rolled me again. I'm sure you rolled me last week. I can't remember what I scored last week, but you're our super coach expert for a reason. Let me know how you went. Yeah, I can't remember what I scored last week either, Brian. I, I remember I had a stinker. I do remember that. So oh, it probably wasn't mate, better than, than what you scored. Yeah, should you should have got me on. You probably would have got me on the chocolates last week. I can't remember what I got, but so where I'm sitting this week is thirteen forty eight pending updates from today's game. Sadly, I had the captaincy on Garrick, so scored eighty one, I think, from memory. Um, but missed out on a couple of the bigger scorers. I'm I've gone against trading in Nico Hines last week. I sort of said a lot earlier in the year when we were doing like the pre, you know, pre-2023 previews and what do we expect to happen. I'm still putting my trust in Sam Walker. I think um, I'm just going to hold off on getting Nico in for maybe a little bit longer just um, and, and maybe look at what, what time I will bring him in in the future, potentially if things keep happening. Um, but I, I still want to sort of trust in Sam Walker there in the seventh spot on the bench. So I think I've got some other areas that I need to, to upgrade more so than going from Sam Walker to Nico. In terms of candidates to trade in this week, most likely is going to be Marzu and Hosking, I, I believe. I think Hosking's made that edge position a winner. So he's, he's one that looks... Despite being awkwardly priced, he looks like he's probably probably one of the better candidates there. Like in terms of um, point of differences, I think you probably have to have a look at Lockie Miller in your centre wing spot, Brian. Mm. Like when he with him kicking goals there at fullback, he's got a lot of attacking upside. He's, he's obviously going to be highly highly you know cost you arm and leg to get, but geez, he's, he's looked pretty good from a super coach point of view. Um, and last week, what I did, I, I put I pulled in Toby Harris and Jackson Ford, which wasn't too good, but. The Warriors are pretty vibey at present, and um, they're, they're led from the front by Sean Johnson, so I don't mind having a few extra Warriors boys <laughs> in the squad. How did you go this week, and what are your plans on the trade front? Uh, one, two, seven, seven. So, like, I think still pretty good. Looking through my leagues, like, it's definitely not um, not the best. Oh, one, two, nine, zero, actually, just looking now. Um, so, yeah, not the best score ever. I think I've lost the majority of my leagues, but not by much. Like, I... Uh, like most of the scores that I'm looking at are like late one two nineties or early one three hundreds. So, like I've lost yeah a whole bunch by like under ten points, which is just fantastic. So I think everyone was re- pretty close. Um, I brought in Nico. I was tossing and turning between him and Garrick. Um, yeah, I just I thought the Sharks were going to do, do a number on the Warriors, but I'm so totally glad that they did not because that yeah. SJ thing was just that that makes me happier than any Nico, you know, putting up 200 points could, like, just seeing SJ do that. Oh, gets me all sentimental. So, yeah, no, I brought in Nico. I'm still pretty happy with that. I think he's going to be, you know, relatively good. Um, uh, Mars, you, Hosking, Schuster for me. Uh, uh, my three that I want to bring. Have you already got Schuster or are you going to leave him? Yeah, I've already got oh, him. Already yeah, got I got him in, I think it was week before last because yeah, um, right. I wanted to get Garrick in. So okay. I pulled the trigger and um, went down to go one of my center wings up to Garrick. So um, that's what I did. And I think I was going to maybe go oh, even from like Jermaine Sarko um, up to Mars U, but Sarko's just gone big again. Oh, so mate. he might be worth holding for another little bit longer. Dolphin star, so, Jermaine Sarko. Don't be trading him. That's now. right. Yeah, well, he's been ripping and tearing for you, Brian. Tony Nicarima so. feeding him the ball on the right side. Oh, yeah, mate, you kin yourself. Absolutely, like hit his spinning feature up <laughs> on on the pokies. Honestly, like just get him in there. So, yeah, I think Marzu looks like a logical sort of trade in, just because of even with the tries that he scored, his his base and power stats are just really, really good in that centre wing spot up, though. Oh, hundred percent, mate. I think like you just have to. 
scared him. I, like uh, I, I don't even have Garrick, and I'm going um, him over Garrick for the moment. Oh, Garrick's got Penrith next week, so I want Garrick and Latrell. If Latrell kind of shows a little bit that he's over his knee issues um, over the, in the next kind of probably two to three weeks, um, I, like I think Garrick after the Penrith game, I'm probably going to aim for because I want Garrick over Origin as well when Tommy has a rest. I think, you know, Garrick will be good there too. But I think Marzu, Hosking, Schuster, um, and I'll probably, I might even go Alamotti up to Marzu. Like my, my centres and my second rowers are pretty stacked, like in terms of there's no one fantastic there, but I'm, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, oh, man, who do, I, who do I trade out? Like, you know, everyone's going pretty solid, but I think Marzio and Hosking are two guys you can't pass up on. They just look fantastic and could be season-long keepers. And just a little shout-out, mate. How about Reese Walsh? Our, you know, we called it back in that – after that first week. Boom. Look at him now. Stud. Yeah. Absolute stud. He's, he's killing it, hey. That was one of your better calls. You probably should have just taken your own advice there, Brian. That's oh, the thing. Mate. I, I do have him now. I got him after the second week, but I should have just I should have just pulled the trigger. But, you know, I don't think what it'd probably be the difference between me being thirty thousandths and twenty five thousandths. So <laughs> True. Good it's point. not like I'm challenging the scorers. Once again, I'm still doing really well. I think I lost my first week actually in the uh, Magic Sponge draft, which is, you know, that's a devastation. But apart from that, I'm doing uh, I'm doing very well in my drafts so me being a draft expert again when I'm not doing well at classic uh, you know all good yeah very true the invitational has been a bit tough on me this year I think I've got the most points for when I'm running ninth out of 14 oh, so I'm, I'm I'm not getting much luck going my way you scored I'm just looking again you've scored the second highest of the whole league and you played the guy who scored the highest so you lost the yeah game. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know. I think that's happened twice to me now. Couldn't happen to a better bloke, really. Yeah, right. Yeah, thanks. Good on you. (laughs) I love it. All right, guys, that's a wrap for this week. If you like the pod, give us a review. Recommend to a friend. You know all the things. We like to get ourselves out there to more people, which is fantastic. If you want more info like this, patreon.com slash NRL Physio is your place to go. James, thanks for giving up an hour of your time. I really appreciate it. Um, Get back, like try and get some sleep, my friend, and uh, enjoy the fact that the Broncos are on top. I'll be always enjoying it, Brian. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Awesome, guys. And up the mighty Redcliffe Dolphins. Suspected broken left fibula. Suffering syndesmosis. After that stem cell injury that he's come back from. That's about it, mate.